G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Secularism and its outcomes. What is all that about? So many people are asking the question, how did we get to this point? Politicians and the media falling over themselves to endorse those sorts of issues and policies like same-sex marriage and gender fluidity. The notion of having what is called a safe schools program encouraging children to doubt what sex they really are. Well, what could have brought us to this point? What is it that has infected the whole of Western civilization? Perhaps the whole world. Well, discussion today about what we choose to believe and the consequences of that belief. Another word for consequences, of course, is outcomes. How our choices Our ignorance or even our refusal to acknowledge God has very tangible, even dangerous outcomes that are coming to fruition now and could have serious consequences in future generations. What has God got to do with it? How is the Bible an influential document that needs to be taken seriously? Will all of these problems just go away if we ignore them? I think perhaps you might have some Input into our conversation today. You might have your own thoughts to offer, and let's invite our guest into our conversation, Dr. Don Batten, one of the world's leading creation speakers. He's the CEO of Creation Ministries, and Dr. Don Batten, who has spent 20 years as a research horticulturalist, uh, he's been with the Creation Ministries now for more than 20 years too, co-author of the Creation Answers book, One Blood, Answers to the Big Four Questions, 15 Reasons to Take Genesis as History and is author of various booklets including What About Carbon Dating and What About Arguments for Evolution. He's also one of four rotating editors of the very popular Creation magazine. Don Batten, welcome along. Oh, thank you, Neil. Good to be here. Well, Don, every time we have a segment like this, uh, listeners usually uh, take an opportunity to get some clarification, to ask those questions that have been niggling at them for perhaps their whole lifetime. Uh, But today, as we get a focus on some of the outcomes that secularism brings, uh, how does that all fit with this issue, creation and evolution? And here we are, an Australian nation that we call ourselves these days a secular nation. Uh, What has all this got to do with God? Oh, the whole thing, it has nothing to do with God. That's the point of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Secularism is atheism. And uh, many people are sort of caught up in this idea of secularism as some sort of neutral turf, neutral ground that's fair to everybody. But, and that's the way, in fact, it's cast by those who are pushing to push God out of the public square. Uh, but it's actually atheism. And it was actually the term secularism was coined by an atheist in 1851 by the name of George Holyoke in England. And his aim was to develop a term which was more acceptable to people than atheism because atheism was on the nose and they couldn't get any traction with atheism. So he coined the word secular secularism to actually uh, carry the atheist agenda, but without the term atheism. 
So this whole secular agenda is actually atheistic agenda because if you leave God out of the picture, you've got atheism. Uh, Well, this word secularism, it's embraced by virtually the whole of Western civilization uh, and uh, governments love it because somehow or other, as you say, it gives this sort of impression of neutrality. Uh, The idea of pushing all of those religions and ideologies off to the edges, marginalizing them, privatizing them, putting them out of the way, hoping that they'll actually be silenced, hoping that they'll actually die. But of course, secularism, as you say, uh, it's, it's like a little it's like a vacuum, isn't it, that invites in. Uh, this sort of atheistic idea. Well, and then you have a situation, because if you get rid of God, get rid of the Bible, what's the basis of morality? Just about whatever you like. Mm. It's whatever you, whatever you feel like. And um, uh, in fact, the, uh, the Russian uh, playwright uh, uh, wrote in, in Brothers Karamazov uh, how if you get rid of God, anything goes. And many philosophers pointed that out. You know, that if you get rid of God, anything goes. And that's what we see happening. And this craziness. I mean, who would have believed 30 years ago we'd be talking about two blokes getting married? That's right. It wasn't on the radar at the time. Uh, and, who who uh, would have even dreamt of it, you know? It's just crazy. It's, it's just, we just lost, our, lost the plot, just completely lost the plot. And, and teaching kids in school through the Safe Schools program. Safe Schools, what, what a – and they capture the terminology to make it sound like it's something good. But they're actually telling kids that, oh, no, no, you, you okay, you might look, might look like a female, but you could really be a male inside. Or you, you might look like a girl, but you could really be, a, be a, you know, a male. In, it could be the opposite to what you actually were born, you know. Uh, you, you've got to work out your own way, you know. And, uh, and then, I mean, it's just, do you know that there's a, a woman in Sweden who thinks she's a cat? <laughs> That's that's a new dimension to the whole argument, isn't uh, it? You know, and and, and they, these the, the the chattering class, uh, you know, falling over themselves to affirm Bruce Jenner, who decided he's a woman, actually. And uh, I mean, if somebody like thinks they're a cat, we think there's something wrong with them. You know, they need help, and people are falling over themselves to say, "Oh yes, you know, this Bruce, so I have a, have an operation to become a become a, a woman." You know, I mean, what it just we just lost the plot. <laughs> it's difficult, I'm sure, for some who are thinking, well, I can see all of these things changing in our society, uh, but I'm having difficulty, Don, seeing where God comes into the picture. Isn't this just normal that in a democratic society, if one group sort of presents a new idea and they call it progressive, that they just vote along those lines and change is fairly benign, it won't really affect anything, it's just a, a changing of parties, a changing of uh, political ideologies. What place does God have in the ideas that people have? And how important, I guess, uh, that brings into the question, uh, this issue of Genesis and the reliability of Genesis, because that's a foundation, isn't it? Well, right at the beginning, God says God made the male and female. God made them male and female. He established male and female. And this whole thing is an attack on what God said about male and female. Uh, so uh, it really goes back to God. And what is the basis of thinking? Uh, Romans chapter 1 says, when people abandon the knowledge of God, he gave them over to futile thinking. We see this in loads today. Futile thinking, crazy thinking, which we just scratch our head and say, surely people don't really believe, think that. They do. And because they've actually 
kicked God out of the picture. They've kicked the Bible out of the picture. And this is something which began 200 years ago. It hasn't happened overnight. It happened uh, from the 1800s, early 1800s, late 1700s, so-called enlightenment. Enlightenment was about man's the center of attention, not God. Kick God out of the picture, man's the center of attention. And then uh, then came billions of years. Uh, that undermined the, the chronology of the Bible. Once you undermine, undermine the chronology, you have a fairy tale. Once upon a time is a fairy tale. When you have a history, a historical context, you have reality. So the Bible becomes just stories. And then that next came the, uh, the universities, of course, were taken over by this idea because that appeals to the pride which is so prevalent in universities. Look at us. Aren't we the, the enlightened ones? Aren't we the knowledgeable ones? You know, we're teaching all the, the lesser, lesser humans, you know, about stuff. And so the pride is part of the academic scene and, and pride is no room for God. Uh, if, you, if you know God, you're not proud. Uh, you are humbled before the almighty creator of heaven and earth. But, so there's no room for God in a university. You've got to kick God out of the picture because there's no room for academic pride when God's around. So uh, you get rid of God. So the university becomes a secular institution. It, what They were started out as Christian institutions to train people for ministry. That's where they started out, the universities. They become secular institutions, kick God out. So you kick God out, so you have a secular agenda. You train the teachers in the universities. The teachers then become secularized or atheistic in their thinking. And who are teaching in our schools? Those teachers trained by the universities. And so the whole culture changes. And that's what we see today. You know that surveys in high school, middle high school, are showing that 50% of of year 10 students are saying that they're atheists. Mm. They have got the picture that evolution, billions of years, story, the atheistic creation myth means you're an atheist. And so they, they, can ex, they have to exclude anything which contradicts the atheist creation myth, which is evolution and billions of years. Anything which contradicts that has to be excluded by censorship. Now, Don, there is the, pardon me, there is the more purist atheist types who simply deny God and they're pursuing their life, pursuing their political policies uh, along those lines. Then you've got those who are on the Christian side of the debate and there are those who are rock solid. Genesis is history. God is the creator. Uh, He is the one who uh, gives me reason to stand for what I stand for. But within this Christian side, there are a fluidity of ideas as well that float around. Every now and then, I'll have a guest on and uh, something slips through in their conversation uh, that indicates that they don't necessarily take Genesis as history. Uh, and they they talk about this idea of young earth and uh, and old earth, and because they have PhDs and uh, they are well uh, trained scientists, uh, they have grounds for what they actually do stand for. Where you've got these sorts of things going on within the Christian side of the argument, is it like people are on a learning curve? Are they going to get to a point where they eventually will say Genesis is history? There can be no other way. Well, I went through that learning curve myself. <laughs> So I hope people are on a learning curve to come to the point where they do accept the Bible's history. Um, because as I said, if it's not history, it's a, it's a mythology, it's just stories. And that's basically where most of the people out there who aren't Christians think about the Bible, just a bunch of stories. 
and you can make it what you like. And yes, I hope that the people are on a journey that actually do have their minds open to actually think about the consequences of actually trying to marry the Bible with some of the creation, the the, the atheist creation myth, which is what we're talking about. Uh, so for a Christian to uh, hitch themselves to the evolutionary billions of years story and say that's got something to connection with the Bible, it's actually, they're on the wrong side, uh, you know, but I was there, I didn't really, I just thought this is facts, you know, this is science, I've got to accept it because the experts say so, and my lecturers at university said so, so I just accepted it, and I was a Christian, absolutely I was a Christian, and I would say I believe the Bible, but when I realized these things, I realized I didn't actually believe the Bible, I was actually trying to make it say what I thought it should say, rather than actually believe it and obey it. We are taking calls. You can participate in our conversation. You might have a question. You might have a comment. You might want to just seek a little bit of clarification on some things you've had doubts about for some time. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316, 1-800-316-316. Let's start taking some calls. Sean is in Australind in WA. Hello, Sean. Welcome along. Oh, thanks, Neil. How are you going? Very well. Sean, what yeah. are your thoughts? Um. As you were introducing the topic, I started to actually drift back to Genesis in the garden where um, Eve um, being tempted. And I was thinking about this whole secularism and whatnot. It's sort of, it's an attack on the character of God. It is, yes. Yeah, Satan from the very start has attacked the character of God. You know, did God really say that? Mm. Um, And I think that's just, you know, carried on like ripple ripple effects through all the generations. Um, yeah, that was just a comment. And another one was when I was at university doing a master's in um, art therapy, we had to present something, an image, um, an object or something to the rest of the class. And I actually um, brought in a small snippet from Passion of the Christ um, where, you know, Mel Gibson was being whipped. And I showed that in the in class in the lecture, and uh, yeah, that got a a full on reaction actually uh, <laughs> at university. Um, a lot of you know, how dare you do that? How dare you bring that here? Yeah, and I was under the impression that well, you know, this is me. This is part of who I am. So you know, no. Uh, Sean, there was a brave thing for you to do, yeah, but the yeah. uh, but it probably does illustrate, doesn't it, the atheism that has infiltrated the thinking of university professors. Absolutely, the uh, the university environment is no room for God, um, and uh, every everything else is tolerated, but it's Christianity, no, and um, uh, so basically, uh, what you experienced is a very common experience of students at university who are Christians. Sean from WA, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another one. Tom is in Logan in Queensland. Hello, Tom. Welcome along. Yes, um, my, my brother and I, we've both, both got, uh, we're both pigeon-chested, and my son is actually sunken-chested. Now, somehow I got onto a, a website uh, that deals with that sort of thing, and apparently one of the treatments is they, I think they remove a, a rib. And this, this is a secular website. And they said the interesting thing is um, the rib is the only thing 
the only bone in the, the human body that actually grows back. That's correct, yeah. So, um, you know, atheists always say, you know, they always throw it in your face that men have the same number of ribs as women. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this, you're going back to uh, Adam and Eve and the creation of Eve and... Uh, that's right, uh, yeah. And uh, so God took a rib. That's one translation of the Hebrew. It's not necessarily the correct translation, but one, took a rib and made a woman, and therefore men would have one less rib than a woman. Well, that shows a very, very poor understanding of biology because uh, if you remove my rib, my children wouldn't have one less rib yeah. because it's determined by my genes, and the genes aren't changed by, by chopping something out of your body. Yeah, um, so right. your inheritance is not determined by. So somebody who says that doesn't know much about biology. Uh, so a- Adam could have had a rib removed, and all his kids would have the same number of ribs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Tom from Logan. Thank you so much for your input today on twenty twenty. You might have a question. You might be seeking some clarification on uh, any topic that you'd like to talk about. Uh, when it comes to creation and the issues of evolution, uh, you might have your own thoughts on the outcomes uh, that are happening in a secular society. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might also have some thoughts on uh, political policies, uh, how they actually are outcomes of secular thinking as well. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take a call from Philip in Penrith in uh, Sydney. Hello, uh, Philip. Welcome along. Oh, thank you. Philip, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I, I've got a sort of a, a question uh, about creation when um, God created all the, the animals and so forth. And, um, now, did he, uh, like when you look at a shark or a crocodile or a tiger, or, you know, they're, they're, they're meant to kill. I mean, it's magnificent, but it, it just... How, how do you... Uh, how do you sort of marry that up with the loving God, you know, when he created these, you know, uh, animals that, that'll sort of tear you apart yeah. and tear other yeah. animals apart? Yep. Uh, well, what's your thoughts on that? Well, um, that's a good question, and it's probably one of the number one objections to believing in God, actually, is how, how can you believe in a loving God when there's so much death and suffering and dog-eat-dog dog in the world if God created a world like that? And that's a very common question. Um, our answers book, which I'm a major author of, uh, actually has a whole chapter on that. You know, where do bad things come from if God is good? And also the Genesis actually makes it very clear that back in the beginning in the garden that everything was, in fact, perfect, uh, that there was no death and there was no suffering and uh, things didn't eat one another. And you say, well, that's very different to the world today. Yes, it is. What happened? Well, mankind rebelled against God and God withdrew some of his sustaining power and uh, and then things started to fall apart. Now, we get a bit of a glimpse about how it could have happened, but um, there's various changes occurred to things. For example, you know, we think of the vulture as being, a, you know, getting uh, carcasses and things and dead things and eating them and so on. Ew, you know, it's a horrible bird, you know. But it has a very, very similar relative um, called the palm nut vulture. Uh, it's actually very similar looking, except it doesn't have all the blood and guts over it because it's been eating, eating carrion. Um, but it actually is a vegetarian. I think, well, that, well, you could see how that vegetarian vulture could become a carnivore when death and suffering came into the world. Another one is the um, well-known one is the, um, uh, you know, the Amazon in the, uh, the river. 
uh, you fall into the river and you get eaten by piranhas. That's sort of you know the uh, Walt Disney thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of an exaggeration. But the piranha is a pretty ferocious predator, but it has a cousin which is actually vegetarian. Uh, very similar looking fish, and uh, it, but actually it's vegetarian, doesn't eat uh, other animals and things. And so we can see with a lot of these things, uh, they had there are changes that have occurred. Uh, even things like the parrot in New Zealand, the Kia parrots, actually become carnivorous and eating eyes out of lambs and things like that um, in recent times. Um, so um, the dog eat dog thing developed after sin and suffering, sin and death came into the world. Sin or death came into the world after sin, after God withdrew some of His stunning power. So when we see the bad stuff in the world, we should see, say, "Well, how bad is sin that it wrecked God's beautiful world?" See so another another uh, point that that sticks out in well. Uh, uh, remember Fred Hollows, you know, he went over mm. there to sort of fix the people's eyes in, yeah. you know. Wonder, wonderful work, yeah, wonderful work. And, 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 and he, he, I think he was like a, an atheist because uh, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't comprehend how the, the, there's a worm that only lives in an eye and that it eats you from the inside out. And he couldn't, he couldn't sort of like... Uh, you know, reconcile that with a loving God, you know. Well, that, um, it, 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 we went to correct something here that it's actually incorrect to say it can only live in a, in a, in an eye of a, of a human or an eye of a child. That's actually quite incorrect. But nevertheless, it does do a lot of damage. And, uh, and so, um, uh, again, uh, these parasites and things clearly have uh, developed those activities and abilities since uh, sin and sin came into the world. And, um, and so, um, yeah, uh, some of these things can be an excuse for unbelief. Uh, David Attenborough has used this worm in the eye and a kid in Africa uh, type of thing as an excuse for ignoring God or not having anything to do with God. But, uh, but in fact, um, you know, um, uh, the, the whole thing is that the whole picture of the Bible is there will be a restoration in the future where there will be no more death and suffering. And that's why Jesus came and why he died and rose from the dead. That whole thing is wrapped up with that. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Good to have you along with us. Dr. Don Batten, the CEO of Creation Ministries, is our guest. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Lee in Camerweel in Queensland. Hello, Lee. Welcome along. Hi, Neil and Dr. Don. Hello. Uh, about uh, carbon dating. Yep. Please, Dr. Don, how is it that uh, carbon dating is used so effectively by uh, non-believers? And is it in, how is it totally impossible? Because it's got to be impossible. The figures they quote. Yeah, you're using carbon dating in the generic sense of all radiometric dating techniques because uh, when they talk about millions and billions of years, they're not talking about carbon dating, they're talking about other dating techniques. But it is radiometric dating is probably the better term. It's interesting that carbon dating itself um, is useful when you can calibrate it historically and that's used for archaeology, for example. So if you've got someone in, you know, their coffin and you know when they because of historical records you know they died 300 AD for example uh, you can take some of that wood and you can check the carbon ratios and you can get a point on your curve to calibrate the carbon dating so carbon dating can be very useful in historical times once you go past that you're in you have to make all sorts of assumptions you can't prove uh, but it's interesting that carbon 14 
which is the radiometry or radioactive carbon that's used for dating, has a very short half-life. In other words, it breaks down very quickly, which means that you can't actually date something with carbon dating, which is more than about fifty or 60,000 years, theoretical years. Now, here's the problem for the billions of years and millions of years. You can grab dinosaur bones, which are supposed to be at least 65 million years old, and every one of them has carbon-14 in it above background levels, which suggests they can't be more than 60,000 years old. And not only carbon, not only uh, that, coal, Permian coal, supposed to be 300 million years old, carbon-14 in every sample, and consistently giving a carbon date of 35,000 years, which can't be calibrated, but we would say that fits in with it being buried during the flood. And so you can get diamonds, which are supposed to be billions of years old, as to have carbon-14 in them. Again, carbon-14 is the problem for their millions and billions of years story. And it is a story. Ultimately, they have to make assumptions about past that we can't actually test. Lee from Camerwheel, I hope that answered your question. Our talkback line remains open. We're going to continue our conversation beyond Vision National News in just a few moments. Our talkback line is 1-800-316-316. You can participate in our conversation. We are talking with Dr Don Batten. He is one of the world's leading creation speakers, the CEO of Creation Ministries. The website for Creation Ministries and something like 8,000 articles is creation.com. Back with more after the news. What sex they really are. Well, what brought us to this point? We're talking about creation and evolution. We're talking about God. We're talking about the value of the book of Genesis in the Bible. You're invited to be part of our conversation today on 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. Our special guest is Dr. Don Batten. He's one of the world's leading creation speakers, the CEO of Creation Ministries. And uh, he's been in that role for more than 20 years, taking questions today on 1-800-316-316. Don, we'll take some more calls in just a few moments and people uh, waiting patiently on the line. Uh, But when we talk about how did we get to this point, uh, we've got all sorts of things. And for some people, it's like uh, things are going crazy. These things are just not something that you would think are real and true. But if if you leave God out of the equation, all sorts of things are permissible. Absolutely, and uh, without God, everything's permissible. So you, that's what we see happening. And uh, when we think of a, a secular nation, uh, a nation that says because there is a pluralism of different faith ideas, different ideologies, different ways that people think, we'll try to accommodate all of those. Uh, the outcomes are bringing us to a point where we're seeing significant confusion on so many issues. Yes, uh, that's the excuse for secularism. But in fact, when you look at, for example, oh, we can't have Christian ceremonies because that might offend this person as a Jew or that person is a Muslim or that person. It's actually interesting. It's not actually the Jews and the Muslims that complain about these things. It's just an excuse made by the secularists to actually squash Christian celebrations. Uh, because, uh, you know, when you, if you go and live in a Muslim country, you expect Muslim celebrations. You don't, you don't sort of expect that they'll change because you live there. No. Um, and, and what's happened in our country is this has been used as an excuse to push God out of the public square. We are taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Patrick in WA. Hello, Patrick. Welcome along. Thank you very much. Thanks for waiting so patiently. Do you have a question for Dr. Don? 
No, not really a question, but a contribution. What are your thoughts? The doctor has just mentioned a very interesting point there. Australia, I would like to believe it's, uh, it has got an English background and it's a religion, it's Christianity. But the government of Australia has given, you know, opportunity for any other religion to have a, a say on what goes on in Australia. Such as that, Christianity has been compromised. For example, you, we no longer have um, Christmas carols being played freely during the Christmas holiday. Uh, by the way, I'm of African origin. Yes, and, and secondly, uh, when it comes to same-sex marriage, I think religion has got a lot to play there, working hand in hand with health. Uh, personally, I don't hate uh, people who are of that orientation, but the truth is, to me, it's not normal. It, there's some psychosomatic problem there where the health industry and the, the, uh, the health industry and the people content need to work together and probably clarify on that. Because where we are going is going to be worse and worse and worse. Patrick, some good thoughts, uh, some interesting positions and uh, ways to think about these things. And coming from your African background, uh, Don, uh, your thoughts on what uh, Patrick was sharing? Yeah, um, exactly what we're talking about. And um, basically, if you kick God out of the picture, then um, all these sorts of things come into play. Um, And, uh, yeah, the the government, uh, if you look at our constitution and the people who are involved in setting our national constitution, the federal constitution, they clearly were Christian people operating in a Christian framework and formulated our national um, constitution on the base of Christian principles and the balance of powers and all this sort of thing is actually based on the fact that we are fallen human beings and we need to limit the power of any particular person or group of people and so we don't have actually have a one vote one value per, uh, sort of system because say for Tasmania for example they elect uh, the same number of senators as New South Wales which means that people in Tasmania get a much higher vote uh, m- not one vote, but one person at all. But why was that done? To, to limit the power of any any one thing. Because we they recognised that power corrupts because of our fallen human nature. So the whole basis of our constitution actually comes from Christian concepts and principles. In fact, the prelude to the constitution says, you know, a nation looking to God. I forget the exact words. Thank you to Patrick from WA and uh, interesting uh, to just pick up on something else that Patrick was uh, sharing there Uh, coming from his African background looking in on our Australian society in that sense of uh, recognising that there was a English foundation uh, which brought with it that Christianity to our Australian shores. It began to shape Australia. This idea of secularization, the way that you create some sort of level playing field, he used the words, uh, these other religions that have uh, arrived on our shores 
have begun to compromise Christianity. Now, there is a sense in which, obviously, there is some ways that uh, that things are fine-tuned and honed and things grow, culture grows, and, and that people from multicultural backgrounds have, obviously, an opportunity to participate in the culture. But, but when he's talking about the level playing field, the compromise of those Christian foundations, that is what we're seeing, aren't we? Yes, and I don't, I don't blame those other people of other religions for that. I think it's actually the secularists actually the most responsible for that. And they've used the other religions as an excuse for, as I say, pushing Christianity out of the public square. Um, but those people of those other religions didn't, ex- didn't expect that to happen and have, haven't been pushing for that to happen. So I think that I don't think we can blame people of other religions for what's happened. Um, in fact, the Christians, our, us, us Christians actually partly to blame as well because we've actually re- uh, accepted this sort of agenda that's been pushed on us and retreated into church and we thought, oh, we can still sing our songs in church and have a good time at church and, you know, we've retreated from the public square ourselves uh, because of the pressure to do so. And the idea that somehow or other secularism or atheism is neutral and is not a religion, that's, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the lie, isn't it? It is indeed. In fact, the uh, US uh, Supreme Court actually ruled that atheism was a religion. Um, so if you're not going to have any religion in uh, politics or government or anything else, atheism shouldn't be there either. Okay, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take some more calls. Chris is in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Morning, Neil. Morning, Don. Yeah, Hi, Chris. Uh, I just want to say and make a comment. Like, yeah, this atheism or evolution, whatever, is the most dangerous because um, forget the other religions. Uh, this, you know, says there's no God. And that's why, you know, it, it's like you come from nothing, you come from pond scum somewhere, and you, you evolve, and then later on there's nothing at the end either. So, I mean, this is what promotes suicide amongst young people. If you look at the American universities from, like, the 70s and all that, all their fraternities, they've just been, like, places of, you know, debauchery, you know. A- a- anything goes because they just live for the moment. There's no, nothing to pay at the end. There's no price to pay at the end. That's what evolution promotes, and... Uh, I think God, there was a book, uh, God's Final Warning to America, where he, he promised judgment on these things like a, a homosexuality, abortion, and you know how they deal with Israel. So what, this Orlando massacre, the, the um, most um, worst thing is that you know Christians should take on both board is that probably yeah I guarantee that 100% of those people are now in a Christless eternity. That's that's the real you know sad part of that thing. You might be jumping to a conclusion there because ultimately God is the judge uh, when it comes to those uh, who were killed in that massacre. But Chris, some interesting points that you're making there and uh, some significant ones. Uh, Don, your response to Chris? Uh, Yeah, um, it it all goes together. And uh, God's judgment on our nation will happen if we abandon him. And uh, we can see it already happening uh, with the uh, decline. And you touch on something about youth suicide. Yes, I mean, isn't it crazy that our government pays for an education which tells kids that they're a cosmic fluke, um, that uh, life is a farce, there's no meaning and purpose to life because God doesn't exist, and when you die you become fertiliser. And then they wonder why the suicide rate's so high. And then they throw money into a suicide prevention program f- for which you can't have anything to do with God because it goes with a secular government. You can't fund, uh, uh, you know, recently there was a situation with Teen Challenge, for example, which does a wonderful work in helping drug addicts. And um, 
And there was a big furor about how the federal government shouldn't be fun, helping fund Teen Challenge because they're Christian, they're overtly Christian in their approach to, uh, well, why are they successful at helping drug addicts? Because they are Christian and they take a Christian approach. It's like ignoring the obvious because, uh, interestingly, when we start to get into these outcomes, these consequences of what you believe, consequences of what's being thrust upon us through our schooling system, through our university system, and who's graduating from those and what they think about God, the sorts of policies that then are formed by people who move into influential positions, and you've got consequences that are very dangerous, detrimental consequences for a society. Uh, Unless there's a radical turning around in this country, we are headed for oblivion, basically. And so this really underlines the importance of us Christians getting out there, sharing our faith, and, and actually having a rationale for our faith which will actually reach the person who is shut down and thinks that they can just ignore the things of God. Uh, We'll take some more calls in just a moment. Don, uh, just before the news, I said there's 8,000 articles on your creation.com site. Uh, You took the opportunity to to correct me during the news. You said now there's 10,000 articles. Uh, And and I said to you, uh, you know, can people use those articles? Uh, you know, email them off to a friend, uh, uh, use them. Yeah, absolutely. Post them on Facebook, share them with people. I mean, there's an article there I wrote about this secularism thing, secularism is atheism. You just put secularism, atheism in the search box there. You'll find the article. Put my name in if you like as well, Batten, uh, and you'll find it come up straight away. But there's lots of articles about all sorts of stuff there that uh, you can share with people and just get people thinking about things, you know, in, in your non-Christian friends. You think, oh, I know somebody would be interested in that. And the articles that are written on the site are mostly by people who have PhDs and who are standing for faith in Christ, faith in God, understanding Genesis as history. Yeah, um, so uh, all the articles we have are, are not all written by PhD scientists or anything, but uh, we make sure that every article is checked by somebody who knows knows that okay. it's, you know, to make sure it's right. And we also have... A lot of the articles are in other languages. We have 39 other languages on the website. So, uh, you know, got French and Italian and Spanish and uh, Chinese. And uh, there's actually about 13% of our articles are actually in other languages. And, of course, Creation Ministries International, it's uh, huge around the world. Uh, I think uh, something in the vicinity of 20,000 hits every day, just people downloading those articles. That's correct, yeah. Uh, plenty of good stuff there. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you'd like to be part of our conversation, you might have a question. Our special guest is Dr. Don Batten, the CEO of Creation Ministries. Thanks so much to Chris from Victoria for your input today. Let's hear from John in Adelaide. Hello, John. Welcome along. Yes, g'day. How are you going? Very well, hey, John. What are hey, your John. thoughts? Um, I've, I guess I've got a point um, I'd like to bring up. You know, we've got, um, you, you're talking about creation starting in Genesis, and it has some relevance also in and we go to the other end of the book is, is in uh, revelation and i guess somewhere in between there you see the fall of man and, and sin comes into the world and that and um and and so god wiped out everything in the flood as we know through through noah and noah's ark now skipping over revelation um we hear that uh god's people will be crying out to god saying when are you going to be bringing justice because because the world in that today's day and age is is such a bad world and we know through the bible it says that good will be turned to bad and bad will be turned to good so 
So we're sort of living in that time, I guess, now you could say that good is becoming bad and then bad is becoming good. Um, I guess the point that I want to bring up is that, that we are these people left here on the world and, and it's almost at the point where we'll be crying out to God saying, God, when are you going to bring justice? Not not to judge the people because we know that God, that God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. So we're going to be soon crying out to God saying, God, bring justice. And, and it tells us in Revelation, I think it's in 7 or 8, um, that through our prayers... When, when, when the angel is going to be holding the pan um, of our prayers and the incense that, that God will hear that, and he'll say, a little bit longer, I'll bring justice, and then they'll keep crying out to him, and that's when he's going to bring his justice. So we're living in a time now that, um, that is bad, but the, the secular world sees it as good. Your thoughts, yeah. Tom? Um, yeah, we can't be too myopic about this because if you go back in time, uh, it's like a couple of hundred years ago in England, for example, things were pretty bad then too. And then the, the great revivals came and just turned things right around. And similar thing happened in America. We tend to think of America as being, you know, the, the Bible belt of the world type of thing or it used to be. Um, but uh, there, there was time in uh, after the formation of their uh, republic um, and then uh, the influence of guys like Thomas Paine and so on, there was a huge turning away from the Christian faith. And uh, the place became uh, racked with crime and uh, problems and things, just like we're seeing happen today. And so we can be sort of a bit narrow in our focus and looking at our situation right now and thinking we're in the worst times ever, but we've been there before. And so um, I take a bigger picture of this. Yeah, we may well be in the last days, uh, as, you, as you're saying, but then again, we may not be too. And so we need to be out there doing what we're called to do as Christians, that is preaching the gospel, taking the gospel to the whole world, sharing the gospel with people, seeing people get saved, and praying, I believe, for revival and a revival of um, confidence in God's word, which is the basis of Christians being confident to share their faith and and to see a revival of true Christianity in our country. Thanks to John from Adelaide, 1-800-316-316. We may have time to take another call or two just to, to pick up on things. When you say, you know, we can be a little bit self-centred, uh, looking at our situation in Australia. Well, you know, the latest details from the UN, there are 63-plus million people who are displaced uh, there are mm. 15 conflicts that are going on around the world right now. Um, what we yeah. have in Australia, we're living in the lap of luxury yep. and uh, and having having these discussions about uh, philosophical things, uh, creation, evolution, uh, where still probably most of us listening are going to have a roof over our head tonight and, uh, and a meal on the table. But there are so many around the world. I mean, the world is a mess right now, and, and there are religious issues in all of that. There are religious issues that we can relate perhaps back to an understanding of the Bible about what, what is happening in the world. Indeed so. And uh, you know, the, uh, the problems we see around the world are people uh, are basically uh, moved away from what the Bible tells us and to other things. But it's interesting too, talk about being myopic, is that if you look at uh, the state of Christianity around the world, in, in other countries incredible things are happening in the right direction. Uh, like for China, for example, there's, there's estimated to be at least 100 million Christians now in China, and the church is growing there at a fast rate. In Africa and in a number of the Middle Eastern countries, which are known to be you know, highly Muslim, uh, there's a huge turning to Christ as people are getting 
uh, I guess they're getting sick of what they see in their in their what they believe, and they're looking for something better. And so uh, there's a huge turning to Christ in Africa and the Middle East and China. And so we sort of look at ourselves saying, wow, isn't it all bad? Uh, but in other parts of the world, there's good things happening too. Well, 1-800-316-316, running short of time. In fact, uh, let's take one last call very quickly. Leslie is in Warrnambool in Victoria. Hello, Leslie. Hello, how are you? Thank you very much for your program. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Leslie, what are your thoughts? Well, it's more a question. Um, I've got five grandchildren who attend a local high school and the, um, the, um, uh, the safe schools policy is being promoted there. Now, you know, I understand how unis are, uh, are secular places, but, but so are our high schools. And I find it very worrying that our children have to attend classes to watch videos on... Um, making homosexuality an acceptable form of behaviour to the point where one of our younger children actually came home and said, well, could I be a lesbian? Because they tell us if, if you like girls and if you like boys, that's OK. Am I, am I that? And I find that really scary. And, and as a grandparent, I don't know where I stand and what I can do to protect my children. I, I do have a, an appointment to speak to the principal soon and I hope that... You know, we might be able to have um, Smunda standing there. He he said he is a Christian, um, but he's also concerned about the bullying that goes on in uh, places like high schools because of these children who claim to be homosexuals. And he wants to protect them because he said there's up to 11% uh, suicide rate amongst these kids now. I don't know the statistics. I don't know the research available. There's a lot of things to be said about that, Leslie, and uh, we do tackle some of those sorts of issues more in depth on other days and we've run out of time for a big discussion now but uh, I encourage you to go and sit with the principal and uh, perhaps if you are concerned uh, certainly be in touch with your local federal MP because there's an election coming up and also your state MPs uh, who are in in charge of what's happening with education Uh, but uh, there are some various movements and as we're talking through this hour the consequences of moving away from a understanding of God and an understanding of Genesis in the Bible these are the sorts of things that are upon us and uh, the scary thing of course is uh, that uh, if the uh, labor side of politics uh, takes power at the coming election Uh, these sorts of things that we're seeing with the Safe Schools program will be uh, on steroids. It'll be everywhere and it'll be promoted uh, right around the nation. You ain't saying nothing yet if they they get into power because, uh, uh, yes, if they bring in same-sex marriage, um, there will be no tolerance of anybody having a different view and that means that your kids will be indoctrinated with this as being normal in school. Leslie, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. And we have run out of time. Thanks to all those callers who called in through the hour. It's been a great conversation. And Dr. Don Batten, uh, creation.com is the website for Creation Ministries. And uh, let me encourage listeners to go to creation.com. There's tremendous resources there, Don. And I know that uh, you are not backwards in saying Make use of these resources. There's this video material on the website too. A lot of people don't read much today, but you can send them a video, just a one-minute, two-minute video, three-minute video. It's all sorts of stuff there. 
Uh, Don, let's do this again in the not-too-distant future. Thank you so much for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.